Comments made on the Ceratoc Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Ceratech Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. Welcome to That Android Show, episode 26, where we discuss everything Android, everything Google, and everything open source the Android-y kind of things. I'm Buddy Brannon, and I'm joined by my usual suspects this month. We've got Alina Roberts in Oregon. Audi. Audi. And we've got John Panneries on uh, Long Island. Hello, everybody. And uh, John offers Android training. You can contact him at Android for the Blunt. No way. You can... Yeah. Anyway, um, so <laughs> glad to have all of y'all here, and um, welcome to all of you. We're light on AT news, but man, Google's been moving. They've been doing a lot of stuff. So let's start with the top of the Android news. Look at this. Google has released a new update to their Google Text-to-Speech version 3.0, updated from 2.4, and it's a big update, isn't it? Yes. Larger files, better quality voices. Yep. And a couple new languages. They have Portuguese now and Spanish and... Pretty big. And we went from, what what was it, like seven or eight megabytes per voice to like 200 or something crazy? Right. So definitely you could tell it's going to be higher quality speech. Yeah. And that's about what most high quality voices run on other devices. So these are going to be much better... As far as the listening yeah, definitely. There's, right. goes. There's a YouTube video on the article here that has some samples of the old voices compared with the new voices. And there's definitely an improvement. I mean, you, you don't have the sore throat lady with the new voices so much. That's that's kind of good. <laughs> and uh, we've got... I did find it interesting, voices. though. There are a couple of things in the article about lag. And one of the realities of a higher quality voice is that it is far more memory intensive. Yeah, yeah it does take so, a couple yes. of seconds sometimes for the voices to mm-hmm. kick in. And there's also some, you know, as with any new release, there's going to be some inconsistencies where the voices that you think are going to be played are not actually played. And they give a couple of right, examples. Right. In fact, in your Maps, maps with the, app right. with the turn by turn still going to have the, the little girl, as I like to call her. Right. You know, but it's a work in progress. You know, it's a dot O, so, you know, we're going to definitely see that stuff shake out, I'm sure. It's really good to see, though, the high-quality voices have hit Android. And yes, I think that definitely. that's great for those who a use blindness TalkBack. Community. And, mm-hmm, yeah, indeed. for sure. But, you know, again, bear in mind, they are bigger. The downloads will take longer, and you get some trade-offs there. But I think that the trade-offs will be well worth that in the end. Now, how about this? We, we got... We got a whole list, a whole pile. Did you know you could do some of this stuff with the Android voice search? No, actually, I did not. I found that I article very either. interesting. Yes. You know, I thought the article sure. was pretty interesting because I knew that, of course, that you could do the voice searches, but the way that you could ask the questions, it seems very friendly. It seems very Siri-like. And are we going to see more movement towards that? Of course, you know, the Android voice, like some people are saying, is more akin to Star Trek. You ask it, computer, where's Lieutenant Data? And it'll tell you. Um, right. Whereas, you know, right. Siri has more of a personality instead of uh, computer, where's Lieutenant Data? And it says, Lieutenant Data is on deck four. It'll actually, you know, <laughs> give you more of a personality. So it's more like your plastic pal that's fun to be with, except for perhaps that um, it's more... <laughs> More like, um, you know, less depressed and so forth than Marvin the Paranoid Android. Yes. (laughs) Because this is happy birthday to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, by the way. Happy 35th birthday 
to the... Or they just re-released the text-to-speech game. They did. I'd like a standalone version. They released the um, Hitchhiker's Guide game that you can play online. Right. And I played some of it, and yes, it is accessible. So this is kind of really cool. That's exciting. Really? I didn't know Very that. Very exciting, buddy. Yeah. Is there information anywhere on how to actually play it? Yes. In fact, the BBC's yep. website's pretty great. They've got a whole FAQ on how to play and all that good stuff. We should link to that in the show notes. Uh, just remember, don't throw away the pocket lint. That's right. The most important thing. Anywhere or your, you go. And always remember your towel. Yeah, yes. <laughs> always remember your towel. But kind of going back to this article on how do you talk to your Google device, I think that voice-activated questions is going to become more popular, and I think that's because Google's really pushing their app Google Now. Well, and search is their thing, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. They still have the best And by search. the way, I, I made a mistake. It's commander data, not lieutenant data, isn't it? Mm, yes. Uh, it is commander data. Commander data, I yes. Think. Sorry. Yes, all ye Star Trek fans can write in and yell at us later. <sighs> what do you guys think about Google now? Because I really find it kind of on that, I think this is a little too creepy. I think it's a little creepy. I think it could be pretty useful, but I think it knows too much. And where do you find that balance, right? Between I don't know. You know too much, and this would be really useful to let them know that much. Right. When does the letting them know that much turn against you? Right. There's there's, like, there's you know, a line. The I think. starts like, and that's when we get into the discussion of our robot overlords and when they're going to take over. <laughs> when Skynet comes along and takes over everything. That's right. But, uh, you know, we may not have to worry about it too much because, you know, in, in a little while. And by the way, can I just say I hate headlines like this? And we're seeing more yes. and more of them all the time. And it just, I hate them. What happened to fact-based journalism and, you know, all this stuff? Because all these headlines are so-and-so may happen, could happen, could, might happen, yep. might yeah. could happen. Yeah, the because we might that, see so that's what the tomorrow. tech industry does, buddy. They <sighs> prognosticate. They play the... Let me think about this. It could come. It. Why don't you read the headline it. to our listeners? In two weeks, Google may have the only OEM agnostic OS in the market or in a market again. And we're talking about wearables. Yes. This article is talking about how Google is working on sort of um, customizing Android to work on wearable things like perhaps watches. Right. Or a jacket. Perhaps. Things. Indeed. A jacket with lots of sensors on it. Which, you know, and I think this is the way a technology I mean, this could be is really, going. This could be really good for us if they actually implement TalkBack into this stuff and make it all work. On the other hand, how has this really worked for them in the past, really? Mm -hmm. fragmentation is still a problem not just because of all these manufacturers running different versions of google but also with um, all the skinning and customizing and all that that they do to the interface so in reality what does this really mean and what's it really going to mean to us in a couple of weeks i'm thinking nothing yeah, it's hard to say because there's so many factors that are involved and, and you know and, and when you get into wearable items then you're bringing a whole slew of other, you know, factors and ingredients that could, you know, make this either really wonderful or just completely waste of time and money. Yep. And honestly, if they don't get into the wearable market, I think that would be really ridiculous. Right. I think that they would be Oh yeah, well well I think that huge... that whether they're going to get in or not it's it's I think it's a foregone conclusion that they're getting in. 
Okay. Everybody's getting in. The question is, are they getting in with the open source model of letting other developers and manufacturers? Because the Google Glasses did not seem to work out, so I think they are going to go the open source route. Yeah, I think instance. they are. Although um, Google I, Glass is still a closed Yeah, that's what um, I'm saying. Google Glass is that, that closed. they're still working on. It doesn't seem like they're really pursuing that after right. all. Right. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I don't think it's really what they're going to ultimately be pursuing. Uh, I guess only time will tell. I will say though that the no facial recognition apps because Google said so as a blind user I was like, "Really?" That would be one of the reasons I would want Google Glass. Right. Exactly. That's right. exactly what I want it for. Exactly. That, like, that, yeah. I want to wear my Google Glass and walk up to a person and have them say hello to me and know exactly who, who it, is, it is instead of have going. a little voice in my ear say, mm-hmm. this is their Aunt Mabel. <laughs> run. Aunt Mabel at 10 o'clock. Run for the hills. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> run. Run fast. Run, run. far. <laughs> I'm definitely one of those people where I can pick up a voice of somebody that I spend time with or that I contact on a regular basis immediately. But if you are somebody See, I not. haven't seen, oh, oh okay. <laughs> oh, man, am I ever not. You know, whenever people talk about how, oh, well, you know, you're blind and so you must be really good with voices, I tell them the following story. <laughs> I was, I forget where I was. I was somewhere and someone walked up to me and and asked me something, and I said, oh, yeah, hi, and who is this? And she says, it's your sister. <gasps> oh. Oh. God. Oh. So much for that theory. Oh. Yeah. You know what, buddy? Those are the same people who say that we're all uh, born musicians, so. Yes, we're all born yeah, piano I can't, I can't tuners. I a tune in a bucket. Yeah, me too. I actually follow that stereotype, but that doesn't mean anything. I don't think it has anything to do with my <laughs> See, vision you just impairment. Blew, you just blew the curve. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. Two weeks from now, we'll see whether or not there's actually an OS for wearables. But as Buddy pointed out, the tech industry has decided to prognosticate about everything. And you know what, Buddy? I say to you, the whole fact-based journalism thing is gone because we've entered into a world where we have people who can write whatever they want to Whenever they want to. Right. If you look at the bios from a lot of the tech writers on places like Engadget or The Verge, there's not really anything necessarily that makes them any different from you or I. That scares me. So I guess I'm just totally in the wrong line of work. That just frightens me to no end. Well, and one of the uh, things that I strive for when I write for any place is to just be honest about what I've learned. And just stick to the facts unless I'm writing an editorial because that's all I can do. And as long as I reference places, then I'm off the hook, right? Because if they're wrong, then I'm wrong. I should say I don't have any issue with editorials, but they should be labeled as opinion and not as... Agreed. Agreed. Absolutely. As a news story. Yep. It's a really interesting world. I mean, part of me thinks that it's fantastic that we've gone away from journalism only being something that you have to go to a journalism school for, that you spend all this time and resources on working in the old-fashioned newspaper industry. But on the other hand, I also really, really value hardcore journalism. The Atlantic is probably my favorite magazine and newspaper because I click on the articles 
And they're five pages long or more because it's really a, we didn't come to this and slap it together. We actually decided to do our research. And that takes time and money and resources and I don't know. You know, speaking of people having opinions, I think Sundar, I'm not even going to try his name. I think he's got an opinion. He's got an opinion or two. What do you reckon? Yeah, it seems like it. I think what he starts out by saying, I was quoted out of context. Which happens. I'll tell you what, this is the other thing about journalism. Mm-hmm. I've now, I have yet to meet somebody who is what I would consider not a celebrity, because that's not the word I want to use, but somebody who is quotable. I've yet to meet or interact with a person who's quotable who says that the media actually said what they said. Like, apparently that's not something that we do in journalism, even in hardcore journalism. I don't understand this. Why are right. we taking you know, people out of context? Quoted, well, and the other, the other uh, side of the coin is I really dislike when you actually have recorded quotes from people saying things, and then they go and say, I didn't say that. Really? It's on recording uh, you saying it, so... Yeah, right. That's when you say, um, well, I have evidence to prove otherwise. Right. It's taken out of context. Really? My favorite thing that The Daily Show does is when they do the, here's the person now, and here's them six months ago. Oh, look, they just contradicted themselves. How neat. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, like, this guy says, he starts by saying, you know, that time where this article said that I said that you know, Android was never designed with security in mind. Well, I didn't actually say that. What I said was that because Android is the most popular mobile OS out, that people who write viruses and malware and bad things are going to target it. And so they are. And if I were a virus writing business, that's what I would do, unfortunately. I hate to say that, but that's what I... And I agree with him on that score. Absolutely. Right. If, um, you know, you, yeah, you go, according you go to one of our targets, articles, they're 78% of the market worldwide. I would, if I was a virus writer, totally Android would be where totally. I would be targeting. Right. Why do you think that they're going for Windows? Hint, it's mm-hmm. not because Mac OS is more secure. Nope. It's all about the numbers, guys. All about the numbers. And if you're evil and you want to destroy people's devices or steal their identities, then you're going to go then where go the people the big, are. The big numbers. That's right. <laughs> That's I don't understand people that do that, that make it their life. It doesn't matter whether it's Android, uh, Windows, Mac, whatever. I don't either. Why don't do you have it. to spend your time and your energy coming up with these things to destroy people's devices and just generally ruin? Because they're hateful. That's only hateful or greedy. I can't either way. Just I don't. Maybe get both. It. Yeah. Hateful and greedy. So he also says that open source. I, I, I don't know that he actually comes right out and says that he believes open source is inherently more secure. Than yeah, he does. Source. I think he says says it at one point in the article. He certainly at least says, and I, I can certainly agree with him as far as this, that open source is not necessarily less secure than closed source. I think Correct. that there's a possibility that open source has a check and balance in it in that anyone who wants to can look at the source, find flaws in it, report them, if they're skilled, fix them and submit those fixes for inclusion or or release those fixes themselves. But they also can go in and find the flaws and then exploit them. Right. Of course, again, the check on that is that someone else who finds the flaw will right. patch it and fix right. it. Right. Yes. 
He does make the point that the problem is is that there's so many different devices and people don't update their software. And and then right. I agree with him. You find that in, in a lot of ecosystems, people bring a lot of the virus. Mm-hmm. Even Windows users bring a lot of this upon mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. He tries to sort of put the right spin on it by saying, however, we at Google are on top of it and we release fixes all the time, but the other manufacturers don't necessarily incorporate them. That's the downside and the danger of open source is that even if fixes are released or even if someone comes up with a fix, that doesn't necessarily mean that that fix is going to be made available to the wider population. So that's a danger. I think that that's something that people certainly need to be aware of. Right, definitely. Absolutely, and that this is the reality of the Android market. We have a situation where there are so many different devices, and some of them can only be upgraded to certain operating right. systems. It really falls on the user. It does. Yeah. How how long have we been saying it always falls on the user? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> right, but uh, see, everything is not all good or not all bad. Right. The thing that is an advantage can also be a disadvantage and vice versa. In this case, the very thing that gives Android its flexibility and its ability to be customized can also be its downfall. Right. So be careful out there, guys. Really, be careful out there. There are pitfalls. There are traps. If you're going to use this stuff, and increasingly you have to use this stuff, but if you're going to use any of this stuff and be connected anyway as our technological-centered lives sort of become more technologically centered, everybody's connected. You have yep. to be cognizant of these issues. You, right. have to, you have to care about them. You can't not care about them. Right. You can't afford yeah. to not care right. about them. You don't them. live in a vacuum. No, you don't live in a vacuum. Coming up after the break, LG, Nokia, Motorola, more Android stuff, your letters, and more. While Android is free software, this podcast requires sponsorship. Are you tired of browsing through thousands of sites just to find the news you want? What about recipes, shopping, radio stations? Wouldn't it be great if there was a single place where you could find all these things and a lot more? There is. Discover Samnet with the widest and most complete content ever assembled for the blind community. And speaking of community, you can use Samnet's voice chat, instant messaging, and users forums to communicate with family, friends, and others who share your interests. To learn more about Samnet, please visit www.serotech.com. That's www.serotech.com. Or call us toll-free at 866-202-0520. We're Serotech. The accessibility anywhere, people. Welcome back to that Android show, episode number 26. Thanks for sticking with us. Because we have lots more where that came from. Well, I don't know. That doesn't sound right, does it? <laughs> lots more where that came from. Yeah, I lots more where that came from. That's yeah. right. <laughs> anyway. I'll buy that for a dollar. Again, like the open source versus closed source and choice versus freedom freedom versus like one model and all that very like that we got more where it came from could be good could be bad you be the judge and more rumors (laughs) because as we mentioned earlier that's all we do in technology writing apple does not have a monopoly on the rumors right no it does not because you know how they thought that they were ending the whole nexus thing like there wasn't gonna be any more nexus right that's what i was I was to understand, but apparently not. 
Apparently not. According to this rumor, not. Because they're going to have a Nexus 6, and like the 4 and 5, it's going to be built by LG. Yep. And maybe LG will be doing the Android smartwatch. Would be, at least according to this article. We need more yes. smartwatches, right? I'm still waiting for the smartwatch to actually be appealing to me. It, I wonder if it's ever going to come I'm, out. I want, number one, a smartwatch. Number two, a talking smartwatch. Number three, a talking smartass watch. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you want it to do, buddy? That's the really important question. What does your dream smartwatch do for you? I don't know. If I knew that, I'd... <laughs> Like, hmm. I don't know, I'd be what richer. What could it do <laughs> for me? What would it do for me? Tell the That's time? That's so 20th century. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Why would we want our watches to tell us the time? Tell us the time in other parts of the world? And, and actually, I'm one of those people that, that avoids talking so watches. Okay, so tell, I actually wanted to right. not tell me the time. All right, all right. How about tell us the time in other universes? Oh, okay, Ooh. now there you go. I'm all over that. Yeah. Oh, did you guys see Cosmos last week? That no, I want to I want to catch that. that. That's supposed to be good. You might check Fox's website. They're pretty good about putting their content up on, on their webpage. Do that, because so. I really wanted to see that. Yeah, but is it descriptive? No. You know what, buddy? He does a really good job of narrating. So, no, we don't have any description yeah. on the visuals, but it was a really well-done show. And I really like Neil deGrasse Tyson, so he's a pretty cool dude. But we digress. So Us? We never digress. No. Yeah, I, I know. Never. I know. We're so serious old bitches. And we don't know. Apparently, Buddy doesn't know what he wants a smart watch to do, I but don't. he wants it to be a smart-ass watch. I want it to be a smart-ass watch. I would buy that, too. You know, you say, um, Nexus watch, what's the time? I got your time right here. Yeah, or, you know, <laughs> or time for you to get another watch, Buddy. That's right. That's right. What we're approaching, I think, is the watch where it's you're... It's for a coffee break. A coffee break, coffee. yeah. Get, you get your yourself coffee. some coffee. You're too tired. You're too hangry. We're working over here. <laughs> I think we're approaching, though, the era of sensors being so smart that we're walking down the grocery aisle and uh, we come across our cookies and we're grabbing for them and the smart watch does the, like, psst. Yeah. I totally know how many calories you had last week. Put those back. And I would immediately smash the watch. (laughs) I would as well. I want the watch to tell me where the cookies are. Yes. But I draw the line at the watch telling me not to. That's right. Don't judge me, Do not. Do not tell me that I cannot have this cookie. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Another scenario would be something like, Oh, I can just see it now. It will monitor whether or not you're sitting, standing, walking, any kind of position that you're in. And Get up off your valley and you have to go for a walk. <laughs> yes. I see that you've only gone 100 steps today. We really need to work on this. You know what, Mr. Watch? You ever heard of a flying watch? Because now you're going to find out what it's like. <laughs> This is what happens when you get three of us talking about what we're going to do with wearables. Yep. <laughs> you have thrown the new Google Watch approximately 30 <laughs> feet. Really? Only 30 you feet? You need to work Let's on try. your throw. <laughs> Let's try for 60. You need to work on your throw. <laughs> oh, sorry. That reminds Didn't me of that, that lovely there. app that you could get and then you, talk, <laughs> oh, you yeah. practice tossing your phone. <laughs> Throwing your phone up in the air. Yeah. Yes. yeah right. That was awesome. That was totally awesome. I just heard about a new uh, 
technology that I wish I could remember the name of because that would be so useful. But apparently they were over at South by Southwest and it's this Japanese inventor where you put this a little armband on your wrist and then depending on what you do with your motion, it makes different sounds. So like, for instance, you can point your finger and pretend that it's a gun and then the thing knows what you're doing and then it makes a gun sound. Oh, that sound. would be awesome. <laughs> I would totally so, dig that. So what happens if you flip somebody the bird? What does it do? I don't know. That would be awesome. Though. It should be something like something snarky, right? <laughs> the New Yorker in me. I can think like of so a, many uses for that. Maybe like a raspberry. Yeah. It would just make a raspberry you at you. So yes, the wearable technology has, it knows no bounds. We can have fun sounds associated with our motion. This is what technology really should be, right? It should be fun. Screw this useful crap. No, it needs to be fun. Right. Well, I was just thinking, like, from an orientation and mobility standpoint, would that be possibly a really great way to help a kid learn different ways of moving their body? Yep. Absolutely. If they could associate it with particular sounds? I don't know. You're on to something there. Yeah, there you go. I'm sorry, that takes the fun kind of out of I wonder, it. Well, no, and that would make all that other stuff. Uh, you need to look at people when they're talking to you. Okay, fine. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I, um, I am 46 years old, and I still get yelled at by people for that. Because I don't do look you at really? Them. Yes, I still occasionally do. Oh. My, my girlfriend is always yelling at me that I don't look at her when I speak to her. <gasps> Uh-oh. Uh, you know what, John? I think the thing that I always focus on with my kids is not having their head down. And when you talk, I don't feel like your head is down. No. So you may not be looking directly at her, but she needs to know that you're not like avoiding her. Yeah, no. I, no. I don't know. That seems kind of weird. No, but she's not the only one. I've had a few people that will say something. That- yeah, but I'm Eve, over you here, get John. yelled at for not that, looking that, in that the right That you're direction. talking to there, that is a wall. I am over here. Yeah. And you know what it is, too? I get distracted by sound. So sometimes I am talking to somebody, oh, but yeah, you know, my too. head goes in the direction of the sound. You know, like if right. I hear music or something, my head will go in that direction. And I don't intentionally do it to be rude. It's just an automatic response. Oh, oh, the world that we live in. Yeah. People need to lighten up and have custom experiences. That's what they need to do. Yes. They need to lighten, lighten up and, and have, have custom, custom experiences. Which brings us to the next article. Custom experiences. Which apparently is all about how awesome it is that regardless of what manufacturer you choose, you get a different experience every single time. Right. See, yeah. again, here we go with the could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. Right? Right. right. At least for accessibility, certainly. Like this guy was talking about the HTC Sense UI. Yeah. Right. Totally inaccessible. Yeah. And that's one of those things where uh, I'm of the philosophy that I don't want your bloatware. I really just, I just really give just me don't. the device with the operating system. I don't need your other stuff on there. See, please. this is why Google has the Google Play Edition things for people just like yourselves. Right. But, you know, because Android is an open platform, if you don't like the Google Mail app, you can get another app. Right. That's right. That you like better. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And so, as I was saying to somebody a couple of weeks ago, your Android is not my Android. Right. Customization can be useful, but it also can be really frustrating depending on what you're looking for. And like you mentioned, accessibility-wise, I think customization from these different developers oftentimes just leads to us being frustrated. But from a sighted experience, apparently it can be pretty neat. So... I guess the thing that bothers me is that it's not optional unless you know what you're doing and you know how to get rid of it. Right. 
So right. it's kind of like Windows. You know, a lot of times, you know, when you buy a Dell or you buy an HP, they have all their bloatware on there. So especially you, in oh, HP, right? Absolutely. So you, unless especially you know what you're HP. doing, you know, and you can mm-hmm. you can remove that stuff yourself. You know, you, you can kind of SOL. And I believe that I'm going to get the people who say, "Well, but Apple comes with all these apps that you can't get rid of." You're right. I can't get rid of them. Right. But they're small. And I can put them in a folder and ignore them for the rest of my Apple experience. And they don't impact the rest of the uh, experience. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just want to make sure that I put that out there in case anybody wants to chime in about how you can't customize your Apple device. Well, eh. (laughs) yeah, in some ways you can't. And in that way, if you want to really play and tinker and change things up and whatnot, Google, like Android's really great with that. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're new and whatever, you may find it challenging because, again, you ask 10 different Android users what apps they like and what home screen launcher they like and what email program they like and what (laughs) file explorer they like. You're going to get 10 different answers. Right. Absolutely. And if you go to the Google Play Store, you might get a recommendation for an app and then you look at what the requirements are and then you can't have it because you don't have that operating system. Yeah. So, again, not all good, not all bad. Yeah, so you have to really know what you want. Right. And I think that this guy points out a lot of things. So if you're in the world of figuring out what kind of device you want, in case you want bloatware, you know, you have lots to choose from. We got a next couple of things about Nokia. Nokia. And Microsoft. Where's Microsoft Yes, Nokia, who's going to be bought by Microsoft. um, They're in the process of that. They've released just really recently a phone with a forked version of Android. And it's forked. And you know it's forked because... You know, regular Android requires that you install all of the Google apps. Right. And so in its way, it's as closed as Apple is in its way. It's mm-hmm. differently closed. But apparently can be hacked. Sir. That's what it seems to be the case. Yes. Well, hacked. I, see, hacked is one of these weird words that, you know, <laughs> like has been misappropriated, right? Because right, really hacking sure. is programming. Right. A hacker is a programmer. This is kind of like fudging. How about fudging? Yeah, yeah. So basically what they've done is that they've taken the forked Android that Nokia released and then they've restored it so that, you know, you can get back into the Google ecosystem with this Nokia phone. Yep. Instead of, you know, the uh, Android versions of, you know, Outlook and SkyDrive or OneDrive or whatever they're calling it this week and and all those (laughs) other things. Well, and honestly, if I was in the realm of, hey, look, Nokia has come out with a quote-unquote Android phone then that's probably what I would I'd want to do. Right. Yeah, I'd want, yeah. It, I'd want it to be an Android phone. Yes. Um, if, you not want, a, if you want the Microsoft not a Windows stuff, phone pretending to be right. an Android a, phone. Yeah, exactly. Get a Windows mobile phone. Yeah, be one of the 12. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Which brings us sort of to our next thing. Five, <sighs> <laughs> Five reasons why Microsoft could become a top Android phone manufacturer. And I call shenanigans on all of this because there's no way. I mean, just culturally, Microsoft doesn't do this. No. No, no they I do did not. not. I think this is way out there speculation. I, I don't see this happening. This is way out there speculation. Yes, Microsoft could do these things and become a top Android phone manufacturer, but Microsoft won't do these things. Well, if for no other reason that they're invested in Windows Phone. Yeah, they've yes, put a lot are. of money into Windows Phone. Yeah, they are Windows really phone. invested in Windows Phone. They're not going to do this stuff. You know, yeah, Windows Phone looks like a sinking ship, except for in emerging markets where people buy the cheap, and so they get these 
they're getting some traction there, but in most of the world, no, they're not getting any. But that doesn't mean that they're going to change course because Microsoft I'm doesn't I'm going to be a that. hater and say that one of the reasons is that, oh, if you grew up with Outlook and Word and all those other Microsoft apps, how neat would it be that you could get an Android device and use your Microsoft products? If you want to use your Microsoft products that bad, you're going to get a Windows phone. But right. like, seriously, who likes those things? <laughs> Exactly. Honestly, who likes those? I, things? I use them because they're a necessary evil, and I right. suspect yes. no. that like ninety percent of people who use them <laughs> use them because they're a necessary evil. Do you know anybody that actually? Okay, professional writers. Do you know any professional writers that actually like Word? No. No, because it's terrible. Exactly. And honestly, if you're doing web content, you can't use Word because it has all this formatting crap. I have been saying for at least 10 years, probably longer, that Word has way too many features to be an actually useful word processor. Yep. Right. Yeah. My husband always likes to say that it wants to be a publishing application, but it's not. Right. And so they have all these external features. He told me the latest version of Word can do 3D animations, and I wanted to shoot myself. I thought... Why? Why does it do 3D animations? If I'm using Microsoft Word, I don't want 3D animations. I want to write a document. That's what I want to do. Right. It was all downhill from WordPerfect <sighs> 5.1 for DOS, if you ask me, but <laughs> you asked me. These days, if I really want to come out with a word processor, my catch line or my motto or whatever you want to call it would just say, it's a word processor. <laughs> That's yeah. it. That's all I want, a word processor. I think that there's a company that makes one for the Mac called Write Room. Yes. I believe it's called Write Room. And it's like yeah, a I big thing right. with lots of room on the screen to write stuff and a menu bar. Right. <laughs> but where's all the other stuff, buddy? Come on. Who needs it? I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. Then I will say, though, that I had a project last term that required me to include graphs in my document. And I went, uh, okay. Apparently, this is when Alina goes, I cited people who love me. Would you like to help me make a graph? <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly what you do. I can't. You can ask those same sighted people if they'd like to play some low vision accessible games on their Android oh, yeah, phones. Yes, totally. They have some. I thought ones. this was a really cool article. Yes, I, I will say that this was a neat I, I, article. I really dug this article. I just wish that you know, like maybe I could play some of these. But yes, he points out, unfortunately, to all the Talkback users, none of these games are accessible with Talkback, which doesn't surprise me, frankly. No. It's a much larger market than is the blindness market. It is a market. much, much larger market. What I find really interesting is that it is a much larger market, and I think that it's an ignored market primarily. Yes. Boy, that's starting to change, though. I'll tell you what. Everything's going low vision now. Yeah, that's true. And I think, buddy, though, that it needs to be both. It needs to be that we're focused on both the, the community, like us, who need screen readers and braille and we also need the companies to be focused on low vision users work focused both. on low vision walk 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 dang it i love it when i do something like that and i don't even catch it but either way there are a lot of things that web developers and game designers don't really take into consideration as far as low vision goes and i think that's really a shame because 
they really are just much of a valuable part of the market as we are. So I appreciate that this person went to the trouble of finding these games and pointing them out. And I think we need more of that. And I think as baby boomers are starting to age, you're starting to find a lot more people who are having macular degeneration and stuff like that. So I I think this is going to become more of the norm. This is going to be a huge thing. Yes. Yeah. Right. One thing that the totally blind folks can appreciate is uh, this uh, Lunar Tabs app if they play guitar. This is my favorite thing out of the entire show. This was really neat. This was a neat review. It was very detailed. Yeah. And we should point out that the app is not fully released. They are going to do a session at CSUN, which I think is great. Yeah. Lunar Tabs is an app that will help guitarists, either who are low vision or blind, learn music for the guitar really seamlessly and um, using widely so available many, and very standard uh, yeah, guitar tabs right. that are released right. all over the internets for free in a lot of cases for free yes but they're so cited dependent that this organization or this company decided let's figure out a way to make learning this guitar music actually accessible. And I think it's fantastic. They've even gotten multiple options for you to do this without even touching your device. Yeah. And you don't even need a lot of external equipment in most cases. You can just stomp your feet and it'll, you know, your phone will pick it up and. Right. So you can stomp your feet. You can use a continuous voice command, which is apparently one of the newer features in Android. You can also do a standard voice command where you have to touch the screen And then they've even got it so that if you've got a MIDI connection that you can plug into your device, it will actually listen to your guitar and 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 move on that way. To know what to play next. Yeah. It's going to be great for musicians. This is the really cool stuff that technology does. Right. It doesn't matter whether you're a real professional musician or just somebody who, you know, sort of tinkers around and messes around a little bit. Right. Got so many different uses. Yeah, and they've got multiple ways to tell you the information. Well, yeah, you can have it tell you by chords or you can have it tell you by strings and frets, depending on how you specifically like to have that presented. Right. This is one of those things where I go, man, I wish I was going to CSUN. Yeah, me too. (sighs) I almost went, but I couldn't justify it. And, And even though Blind Bargains has a fantastic guide on how to do CSUN on a budget, quote unquote, it's still California. It is still California. And I went to CSUN once, and I can tell you just eating was scary as far as financially <laughs> speaking goes. It's like, oh, okay, hi. $15 hamburger. Well, oh, you want French fries as well? That, you know, that I had the choice of, of going to San Diego to CSUN or going on a cruise. Uh-huh. And the cruise. Oh, of, you chose the right. Yeah. I think you, you made the, the correct cruise. choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even though I had a rotten experience on a cruise, I think you made the right yeah. choice. Poor buddy. I will say, though, that one of the things that bothers me about CSUN and all of our conventions is that even if I were to get myself a room that's far less than what the Hyatt would cost me, if I want to go to the sessions, I have to pay the $500 fee for going to the conference. You know, if I lived in California, I could justify going to the exhibit hall and not paying the fee, but no way can I justify flying to San Diego just to go to the exhibit hall. Especially when there are things that you're going to see there that aren't ever going to be released ever. True. But speaking of CSUN, we should also mention that if you can't go to CSUN, Talk will be doing a fantastic bit of coverage for all of us so that we can go to CSUN virtually. 
Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Experience CSUN vicariously through Joe and Ricky as they interview lots of presenters and lots of exhibitors and and uh while well, they tell you about all the new stuff that you are not fortunate enough to be able to go and see yourself. We will be bringing you that again, sponsored, of course, by our friends at Hymns US. Hymns Incorporated is sponsoring our convention coverage again this year. Thank you, Hymns. So um, awesome. look for that on the podcast feeds and also on SPN Radio. Yes, SPN Radio. But back to games, guys. There's a new choice game. Strap on your boots. Play Tin Star. I really like the choice games. I think this is cool. I like this. Yeah. Yes. You know, the text adventure thing, you know, people think that, you know, because now we've got whiz bang graphics and sounds and multimedia and all this sort of thing, nobody plays text adventures anymore. Oh, contraire, this is far from true. There are (laughs) lots and lots of not only people that play them, but there are people that still make them and release them, and there are whole communities of interactive fiction players. Oh, yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. You know what? Stuff. I'll tell you what. Interactive fiction will die when role playing games die, which is never so, going to happen. Never. Yeah. Mm. So, go and check. So, you can play the first three chapters of this for free. Yeah. You can buy it for pretty cheap. Is this only an Android game? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. That's I, what I thought. I wasn't I sure. I think I saw links to other app stores and also to Amazon. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, so I don't think so. i have to check that out. It would that, seem that. kind of strange if it were, because most of the choice games are available on iOS as well. So I'm going to have to check that out. Then. So now that we've had all kinds of fun, we get to be all productive and crap again. Yeah, um, oh, email. Email, 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 email. How I droid email. Oh. My bane of my existence. Yes. Did I tell you guys that my New Year's resolution, which I never do and never stick to, but apparently I'm doing pretty good. So one of my resolutions this year was every single day I would unsubscribe from at least one newsletter that I never read. Because all of these companies on the web have access to my email because I gave it to them on purpose. But now they're emailing me like on a sometimes daily basis. And I just decided in January, I'm like, you know what? I need my email to be legitimate email that I want to read. So I need to figure out a way. So the unsubscribe button has become my best friend. I should take that resolution myself. I should do this thing, but I probably will not. Apparently the person who wrote this article really, really likes Aquamail. Yeah. Yeah. So... As we mentioned before with customization, you have all kinds of options as far as your mail client goes on your Android device. And that's actually true on other platforms like iOS. But you need something that's going to be accessible to you. And so this particular user recommends Aqua. And then if you are a Gmail user, they also recommend Gmail, the Gmail client from Google. And I don't know what people look for in a mail client, so I think it's all up to what you want. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a personal thing, I would guess. I mean, you know, what kind of specific features or ways of doing things, I guess, makes a difference to some folks. My husband's a big fan of Mailbox. That's his preferred mail client. I tried Mailbox on iOS, and it was totally inaccessible. I had a feeling. Yep. It's got all these fun gestures that you get to do to bring your mail in and out. And he's all about the zero inbox. So I want to try is there's a service that I keep hearing about called, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, SaneBox. <laughs> Sane, S-A-N-E box. Uh-huh. Apparently what they do is determined by what you deem to be important by how much you read it and how much you delete and whatever. 
it will put all of your important email, keep that in your inbox, and then move everything else to a sane later oh. mailbox. And then you can, nice. you know, if you really want to get rid of stuff, you can black hole it and you'll never see it. Uh-huh. And the service apparently is fairly inexpensive. I'd like to try it, but I haven't yet. Okay. Coming up after the break, your letters. I got to go. Or maybe you got to go. When you got to go, you got to go after the break. Meet eBot from Hims. eBot is the first and only iPad compatible, portable, reading, writing, and distance viewing video magnifier with optical character recognition. And get this the connection to your iPad is totally wireless. Want more information? Visit us on the web at www.hims inc.com. eBot, the new standard in video magnifiers. All right, welcome back to that Android show, and we have the mailbag. Pretty good mailbag. Yeah, we got it's a pretty, pretty good, good one. Yeah, we got some. We got some nice comments. We got a comment from uh, Santiago who says that uh, hooray for choice, basically. And uh, if you can swing it, you should have an Android device and an iOS device. So you can enjoy the best of both. And if you can do that, that's great. Uh, I know that's not an option for everybody, but if you can, I agree. I think that uh, choice is wonderful. And if you can swing having multiple devices. That's all the better because then you don't necessarily tie up your one device and, you know, so there you go. We have here a comment from somebody who doesn't tell us who he is. A nice gentleman from Australia, hopefully. I hope it's Australia. We believe he's from Australia, but we <laughs> don't even know He sounds like it, but um, it's hard to tell. Yes, but we could be wrong. Yeah. So if we, 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 we are apologize. wrong, we apologize. We apologize if we got it we wrong. We apologize in advance. Yes. But um, let's hear from him. Greetings to you all. May I say excellent work. All of the podcasts are absolutely professional and interesting and uh, need I go on. I just wanted to leave a couple of comments that kind of pressed a few of my buttons whilst listening to the last Android show on my iOS device. (laughs) There are two difficulties that I'm having incredible trouble with. Um, I have a Galaxy S3 running 4.1, which is unfortunate, and I have to muck around and use a custom ROM if I want to upgrade it. But one of the things that I must say I do like about iOS is the ease of being able to switch a voiceover on and off quickly. There doesn't appear to be, as far as I can tell, a way to shut TalkBack up and have it come back so um reliably all the time. There's an instance where I don't want TalkBack talking over another voice. So I think the there needs to be some work on the ability to be able to very quickly turn accessibility features on and off with Android. I've, I've reached a, a, an instance now where for some reason it's turned itself off and I now have to wait for sighted help to find out why I can't turn it back on. That kind of stuff does not happen with an iOS device. But um, different tools, they've both got their um, their goods and not goods. But uh, the main reason for my call was just uh, to uh, leave a note to thank all of you because uh, I unfortunately spend a fair bit of time in hospital, but one of the things that I get a lot of joy out of is the quality of the podcasts from all of you. Great work. Thank you. Unknown caller. You uh, are correct. I think that, well, yes, turning on and off accessibility features involves quite a bit of going through menus and such to uh, certainly to turn them off. 
I think the latest versions of Android do have an ability to turn things on from the lock screen. Boy, I sure hope I'm not telling somebody wrong on this, but I think that they've started to address that problem with later versions of Android later than 4.1. I think you're right, but I'm not 100% certain either, so apologize if our information... Just keep mine on so I don't have to turn it on or off or anything, but it's a valid complaint, although I should point out that, of course, with VoiceOver, while you can turn accessibility stuff on when you initially set it up with the triple click of the home button, if you don't do that and you want it later, you do have to enable that function explicitly. It doesn't do it by default. You have to explicitly enable that. So, you know, it's one of the first things that I've done on my iOS devices, but it's not, unfortunately, a given out of the box. Pretty easy, though, once you've done it. Next, we have a question from Jane. Take it away, Jane. Hi, Sarah Talk. This is Jane, and actually this message is for that Android show. I just like the show, but I do have a question. One is, I have a Nexus 7 tablet, and whenever I try to type on the keyboard, we have this annoying bug where it clicks at you, and then you have to kind of feel around on the screen until you hear a letter, and then you can lift up your finger or double tap or something to enter the letter. I was wondering if there were other alternatives, maybe like Swift Key or some other keyboard. I know that, well, Flexi, I don't really like right now with TalkBack because it's not behaving like it's supposed to on, well, iOS, I guess. But um, I do have it in and I'm not using it right now, but I am using the regular keyboard, but I really want another alternative. So if you can please answer that, that'll be great. Thanks. All right. So Jane, as far as keyboards, I think that the generally accepted wisdom here is no flexi is not currently accessible that yes, you have to turn talk back off to use it, which sort of doesn't make it terribly useful for us. But yeah, I don't think that it's considered release yet. Mm -hmm. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And based on what we know about the Flexi developers, they're going to make it work. If they can. The thing is, yeah, you're right. Sometimes it's a little difficult to type on the stock keyboard because if you don't lift your finger right in the center of the key, it may not register. Oh, And that can make things kind of difficult. I probably don't do that ever. Accepted wisdom apparently is that the other accessible keyboard option right now that people seem to really like is Swipe, S-W-Y-P-E, the Swipe keyboard. They've apparently implemented some accessibility on that. You don't use it the same way that sighted people use Swipe, but that is another option. So check that out. Uh, Thanks for writing. And finally, we have a comment here from Maxine who says, I bought a Nook and it wasn't accessible, even though they told me it should be. Well, yeah. Okay. So the Nook is actually based on a version of Android. The Nook app is accessible. You can start and stop reading and so forth. But having said all that, yes, it's true that you're going to face a learning curve. You've got to work through the, I want to throw this thing out the window stage. You, you definitely, there's no two ways around that. It's like any other device. But, you have to work at it and you have to practice yeah. at it and you have to be patient with it. You know, if right. you definitely want to use it. It may be that having the Nook device is not really the best option. Right. It could be that too. 
It may not be. Now, fortunately, you can get an SD card that has stock Android on it and set it up to dual boot. That is beyond the scope of what we can tell you how to do on this podcast. But do a search on the interwebs for it and their articles about it. You may want to drop Steve Nutt a line and he may be able to give you some tips and pointers. I can't guarantee you that he can, but he may be able to. Good thinking, buddy. Comproom.co.uk is his website, and he's also um, Talking Droid on the Twitter. Yep. Thanks for uh, the cards and letters, guys. Keep those coming. We always love to hear from you. Resources at serotalk.com. You can call the Blab line at 866-997-2522. You can leave an iReport on the iBlink radio app on iOS or on uh, your Android phone. And you can visit our uh, website at www.androidshow.com. Or they can follow the Twitter feed. They can follow the Twitter feed, yes. At twitter.com slash the Android Show. I actually thought that the 10 tips on how to improve battery life really apply to all devices. Yeah, that's pretty much anything. Universal. You know, really. There were a couple that were Android specific, but only a couple. Most of these are pretty common sense. Turn off radios you're not using. Set your display to a level that's comfortable for you, but perhaps dim. Get a big old battery to plug in after, you know, all kinds of things. Because no matter how good these smartphones are, they're going to use batteries and they're going to use lots of batteries because they require lots of data and lots of connections and and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, definitely look in on this article, whatever device you use, because it's got some good tips here. Yeah, but a lot of it is too common sense, you know. That's the good thing about it. A lot of, you know, things just make perfect sense. Adjusting settings, and you know, you have the power, right. what is it, power saver mode and, and, and different options. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's really good for, like I said, all devices, that people should just be aware that if you want your battery to go longer, then there are certain things that you just need to do inherently. Like one of the things that I was reminded of that I need to be doing more often is turning my Wi-Fi off when I get on the bus because yes. what it does is it tries to find Wi-Fi the entire time I'm on the bus. Yeah, and, I, I forget that too. Yeah, so do I. Yeah, and then I look at my battery life and I go, what did I, I don't, I didn't do anything. What happened? Well, one thing that might be a problem is if your battery dies and you've really got to go. Oh my God, would know. that not be awful? Or if you're awful. out at the Mardi Gras and you really, really need to really go, go and there is no option for you. There's an app for yep. that. Or you could buy Depends. There is an app for that. <laughs> you can't buy Depends if all you're wearing is paint, though. Yeah, that's that, true. You know, you can't. <laughs> and that's some of those guys at Mardi Gras do that. But there's an app for that, and it'll help you find a toilet that somebody is willing to let you use for a small fee. That's right. A private bathroom. Yes. And it'll even tell you the state of the toilet paper and whether they've got yes. soap and if it's two ply mm-hmm. toilet paper or one ply toilet paper. <laughs> You've heard of Airbnb? Meet AirP. Yes. This article was <laughs> awesome. I love it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think I'd feel really funny going up to some random person's door and paying them money to use their <laughs> yeah, toilet, though. Yes. That would just weird me out a little. It would weird me out too, but I'll tell you what, if it meant that I could actually go to the bathroom, I'd be all over it. I remember going to Europe back in the nineties and, and having to pay to go to the bathroom. And that was just the weirdest I thing ever. I was just going to say that. What, what about having people like rate your bathroom on the app? <laughs> this dude has a five-star restaurant. Yeah, like, man. He's got wow, magazines, wow. choice magazines, you know? <laughs> 
our downstairs bathroom is actually pirate themed and it's very tastefully pirate themed so we have wooden ships and we have figurines and all that good stuff so I, I would love to have been able to like participate in something like this and where I could actually say come to my bathroom where you can enjoy the scenery imagine that you're on a ship and you're a pirate it's <laughs> great on that note, you know, I don't know. It seems like all these shows always end up going into the toilet at some point. Yes. Fortunately, we wait until the end. That does it for us. That does it for us. And we really appreciate y'all sticking in with us and, and tuning in. And we'll see you next time on that Android show. Yes. How can they contact so, us, buddy? I'm glad you asked. They can email the show at resources at serotalk.com. They can leave an eye report uh, through the iBlink radio app, or they can call the Blab line at 866-997-2522. They can leave a comment on the That Android Show blog page at www.thatandroidshow.com, or they can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash thatandroidshow. I'm Buddy Brannon, and you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash bbrannon. That's B-B-R-A-N-N-A-N. You can follow me at twitter.com slash blindperspective. That's B-L-I-N-D-P-E-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V. Hey, and John tweeted, I saw it the other day. Wow. So wow. Yes. You, can you can follow me if you feel like being bored at twitter.com slash Mac for the blind. M-A-C-F-O-R-T-H-E-B-L-I-N-D, yes. And ask him any question you have about Android from his Mac for the Blind Twitter Exactly. <laughs> I will get back to you as soon as I speak to somebody who can answer you. So, Joe, keep your email open. That's, That's right. right. And, uh, y'all, thanks for listening. See you next month. Right.